podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the galaxy's number 14 podcast for all things Trek. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I want to know the reason why. (laughs) That's a great question. Keiko wants to know why, Andy. Why are you Andy? So many reasons, Keiko. (laughs) It's deep. Happy 100th birthday to Keiko's mom. (laughs) It really raised a lot of questions for me. How old is everybody there? I mean, if Dr. McCoy is still alive at that time, mm-hmm. you right. get people get pretty old. Right. But is Keiko much older than she looks, or is she... Did, did uh, Mrs., oh, that's an interesting did question. Did Mrs. Keiko have her when she was whatever? Maybe, 70. Maybe, maybe Keiko's mom had her, yeah, when she was like 70 or like... She wanted to have a career and a set of children first. That would also be the question that would probably be pertinent to you: is uh, you know, how is fertility last you know longer in the future in a human lifespan? Does fertility? Oh, I think yeah. I think they can they can they can beam an embryo right out. in there anytime. <laughs> um. Yes. So that said, there's some. This is uh. This is this. This episode answers a lot of those questions that were lingering for Andy Secunda. Probably raises more, but you know, yes. it's a step in the right direction. It's fair, I think. Anyway. So cool. let's see what Andy thinks first of all. Andy, would you have them watch this episode? I mean, yeah. If you have questions about the trills, you got to tune in. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? This might be the episode with the most information about a character with the least participation in the character. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I tried to get that in. It was a long thought. It's, it's, it definitely summed it up. That's fair. It's like I've never seen an actor given so little to do on a show, an episode so centric to their character. It's true. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Do they Seems not like- think... Do they not have they not been to the future and seen her on Becker? Terry Farrell can act. Uh, it's kind of like her whole her whole participation in this episode is her going and then holding her finger up like she's about to yes. talk and then yeah. never happening. Yeah. It's like an episode where like you it. have to write it. It's like that episode of Buffy where everybody lost their voice. Hush. Uh, yeah. Scary episode. Maybe the scariest episode, episode. Everyone knows. That's a great episode. Is it the scariest episode? Depends on Those, what you find scary. Those monsters, I think, were amongst the scariest. The gentlemen, or whatever the fuck they were called. Yeah, they were very Doctor Who-y. The fantasy, fancy gentlemen. Or I guess new Doctor Who was very hushy. When you think they had characters it. like that? Just that, you know, the whole look and feel. Anyway, if you want to learn about Buffy, head over to my friend Jenny's podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. It's all there for you. The gentlemen the name of the demons that was right uh 
All right, Andy. Let's do what we came here to do. We're going to talk about Deep Space Nine. But let's first, do what we do about, best. We're going to talk about last week's Deep Space Nine. But before we even do that, we have to say hello to anybody who might be a new member of the Admirals Club. Let's go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Now, Matt's going to set a tradition. Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Leave a five-star review. Wherever you get your podcast from, leave a five-star review of this here podcast. Write whatever you want, and you're in. Maybe Andy will read it on the show. And that's probably still the more surefast, most surefast way, uh, or steadfast way, to get in. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been trying to switch it up. So I got some, like, different ways that people got in this week. Some people did uh, tweets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we would also accept Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, a thing I'm really interested in is uh, pester people in the other Star Trek forums. And on, <laughs> you know, just sort of, uh, you know, let the other Star Trek fans know, because we certainly have done nothing to advertise ourselves. That's very um, true. Uh, and uh, and give a give a little hashtag of Admiral's it's funny Club. the start of this podcast really coincided with me getting off Twitter so it really not, was have not promoted yeah, it at it was all really a waste of about a hundred hundred thousand plus followers <laughs> <laughs> um, <Oopsie. laughs> uh, and if you want to if you do go on to some group or something you want to just uh, mail Tell us in the image of it but yeah that's great let Anything? them know. Have them check out the first episode and go, it doesn't get any better, guys. <laughs> yeah, and and we later you can defend yourself because you could say, that's not what I meant. You misinterpreted what I was saying. <laughs> um, anyway, Lord Scooby-Doom, lo- long-time uh, supporter and friend of the pod uh, at Scooby-Doom on, uh, the Sco- at the Scooby-Doom on Twitter, says, man, I love uh, at Star Trek TNC, the best men at work ticket buying podcast I've ever heard. When a new Star Trek TNC drops, you get excited. Hashtag so says Doom. Um, Doom was uh, bitching up a storm. He wasn't in the Admirals Club. Well, you're in it now, buddy. Enjoy it. You know they congratulations. Uh, they, you know when you get in, they give you uh, an admiral cap. Even though mo- you know admirals don't really wear caps in Star Trek, it's just sort of a ceremonial. Admiral's cap. It's like a sub. It's a submarine hat, you know. Yeah. It's like if you ever go on a submarine, you'll get a hat. Yeah. Um. Back to Dan at Dan to Earth One. Uh. Says. Uh oh. I think I screwed this up. <laughs> Where is it? Oh man. All right. I'm gonna have to dig it's it out okay. later. Just know that you're in. Congratulations. Oh, you're in. Sorry. It was a. It was a. It was a copy and paste from Twitter, and it didn't work. Uh, Eric Peebles at DN Peeps writes, so on this hashtag Star Trek day, why not, this is a while ago, why not board the USS Friendship with Matt Meyer and Andrew Secunda at Star Trek TNC for their enlightening and hilarious discussion of every episode of TNG. This tweet finally gets me into the Admirals Club. I hear their boneless buffalo tribbles are amazing. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Uh, welcome, Eric Peebles, uh, one of our Patreon supporters. Um, Saturday morning podcast at Satmorn Pod writes, Happy Star Trek Day. If you're looking for a way to celebrate Trek, check out at Star Trek TNC for all the fun hosted by at Secunda and at Matt Myra, and then check out their Patreon. They have over 386 hours of insanity that will keep you smiling. Um, 
and Michael Kearney said, Hi, Andy and Matt. Wrote this review around six months ago. Oh, wait a minute. Hi, Andy and Matt. Wrote this review around six months ago and finally got around emailing it. In, since you guys don't see the international reviews from Australia. Mm, uh, future listener, ahoy. Hey, guys, just found your podcast in 2022. Back-to-back listening for me. Finally made it a season three. Really enjoying the reviews from a writer's perspective. And looking forward to hearing the social commentary on world events as the podcast goes on. Got me watching <laughs> you're uh, Goldberg's hear now. Much of that. No, you're not. And even considering listening to James Bonding. Oh, it's much better. Than You're this considering? Podcast. Get on that. It's better than this podcast or the Goldberg, so I would prioritize that one. <laughs> uh, P.S. If this review gets read out in the Admirals Club, if it's still going in Season 7, I'd imagine it would feel the same as Marty McFly re- receiving a letter from the Duck from 1885 and Back to the Future. Clever girl. Um, so... Did you add the clever girl? Yeah, that was me. Sorry. You slipped in a <laughs> Jurassic Park reference into his Back to the Future reference. I was just trying to add a little up. And confused the British man. What? No, <laughs> For he's... For an Australian. No, no, Australian. the clever girl. Oh, is, is, he, a, is he British? Oh. Yeah. He's not doing an Australian? No. Mm, no, I want backup on that. Oh... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if he's not, he I really is. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going by the actor. So you could maybe, maybe he's wearing, he's wearing a crazy outback outfit, and he's he seems Australian to me. I guess it could be a hunter's outfit. Um, so my apologies to Patrick Muldoon. Um, uh, please uh, be creative. Uh, feel free to mail it in to uh, sdtncpod at gmail uh, and give us a hashtag Admirals Club TNC hashtag. Um, Andy's accent corner. It's going to be shit. That's it for the Admirals Club. Oh, no. To the Admirals Club. Just kidding. We're leaving. Thank you. And that was the Admirals You might think to yourself, wow, that's really cute. Henry's Henry's in there going through a pile of books and reading it, and he just he just rolled over. But he's been sitting there for, oh, I don't know, half an hour, just tearing books apart, just ripping. He's ripping them. He's ripping the, he's peeling the uh, glued page to the, off the board, you know, for those board books, those thick books. Yeah. Does he, is he, uh, is that his review it's, of those books? It's like a, it's like a weird, like. He needs a fidget spinner or something. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the President's Circle. It's a great place to be. There's a lot of podcast action happening over here. Head to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Become a member, support the show, keep it going for as long as humanly possible, and get yourself so many podcasts every month you won't even know what to do with them. I mean, I guess you'll just listen to them because that's the best thing to do. I mean, you don't have to. You can do whatever you want. Maybe you don't want to listen to them. I get it. <laughs> uh, every month, not every month, every, epi- every every episode, really, we give a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. 
uh, to a deserving member of our crew. Um, this one goes to longtime supporter Lieutenant Kobayashi Maru, who says, I just want to say I was really close to attending the Q-level tier this month, but sadly, Jesus. I had to give my $1,600 tithe to the mm-hmm. mouse that lives in a castle in Anaheim. Maybe next year. Um, shrug, whatever emoji, uh, happy face, uh, sort of a winky. You'll with get a slightly more emoji. enjoyment out of Disneyland. That's a good question. But which one would you remember more? If you were the very first Q Continuum guest, <laughs> or oh, if for you sure went to you'd day remember, Yeah, you'd remember all the fun that we had here. Yeah. So, really, I think you uh, you chose however you chose, but I think you chose right. So. Matt, if they did that, do you think we would have to up our game, or do you think it would be the same game? I would give them full control of the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> that would be utter chaos. Or um, it would be as smooth as anything. It's possible. Um, this is going to annoy Matt, because I'm going backwards, but I found back to Dan's... Uh, uh, Admiral's Club entry, which because I don't want to circle back to it later. Great podcast. One guy's a huge Trekkie. The other had never seen TNG. They ripped through the whole series and are now on DS9. And if you join their Patreon, they have Enterprise, Voyager, Discovery, and Picard covered. Oh, it's all there. Can you imagine? Yeah. I don't... I mean, I kind of wonder if when we get new people, if they're just like overwhelmed in the Patreon. I hope so much content. At least a little underwhelmed. <laughs> I guess management by the amount. Clearly by the ah, by the quality, yes. they're that's underwhelmed. Sure, that's what I. Mean. Uh, we're in the re- my priority one messages proper from our Patreon. Okie dokie. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. By the way, Matt, do you want to break down? Because we keep changing month to month what they're doing, what we're doing in the Patreon this month. Well, we just finished up season four of Discovery, and we, uh, you know, or I guess I'll reference, I'll reference Back to the Future three again in this episode and say, remember when the train goes off the tracks after the DeLorean <laughs> makes it to the future and then plummets into the ravine. <laughs> That was like us doing season four of of Discovery. That show, <laughs> that show, went off the rails. And uh, listen to two adult humans get angry at television. It's really a hoot. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. We're doing we're, we fit, we're filling the Discovery slots with with uh, Enterprises this week. Yeah, and of course, uh, yeah, so we're going to give you guys a bunch of pods, so at least uh, if you're in the president's circle, I think it's uh, six, seven, something like that. It's six. every month. And uh, once Picard season, whatever, pops up, we'll be back in there with that every week. And then Strange New Worlds, we'll be back with that every week. Season five of Discovery. We'll be back with that as well. <laughs> and uh, I got a feeling, Matt, they're going to turn it around. Season you know, five. What if? What if? I hope they do. Uh, now that's anyway. a marvel. That's an MCU what if story. 
<laughs> what if discovery was uh, uh, fill in your own adjective? Uh, David S. From the Mirror Universe's Yes Andy School of Improv and Andrew Secunda School of Specific Acting Alumni Class of 2370 uh, hails us, where does Quark rank on Matt's list of TV bartenders? Hmm, that's a good question. I wish I had a more extensive list of TV bartenders. You got Isaac from The Love Boat. Yes, you your, of course. your favorite son. I mean, honestly, Cheers, I think my favorite is Coach of everybody. Oh, really? Why? Why is that? Because he was such a lovable adult. Where would you rank Quark Ernie. versus versus uh, Guinan? Guinan in a fight, Guinan, because she has powers <laughs> seemingly got, no one knows about. She's got power uh, claws that she's as never used. Inconsistent as they need to be for whatever the plot is. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd have Guinan. I would love to see it explained someday what it ex- is exactly that Q was afraid of. Well, I think you got it, you know, in Picard Season 2. Thanks for filling in all those holes. <laughs> um, making more holes. <laughs> Mr. and Miss, but not... Oh, that's right. There was a whole thing, but it didn't yeah. really add Doesn't up, matter. did it? Yeah, don't worry about it. Mr. and Miss, but not always Miss, the Ultimate Trackers, writes, If you've ever shown a friend a movie with a mystery or twist ending and enjoyed watching them try to figure it out, you're Q in that moment. Uh, because he sort of would just uh, ride yeah, along with so. Vosh, as she sometimes called. Um, I forgot to also tell you, we have some we have some sounds in, uh, in the Dropbox. I only saw one in this. there. Okay, great. Uh, Andrew Hang Gibson. On, I... Is he calling you? That was his first appearance on the pod. Yeah, I got to deal with that for a second. I don't know how Andy's going to fill the time while I'm gone. Oh, man. I got to prepare but. my vamps better. Um, I've been uh, I've been catching up on, uh, on some movies that are movies that everybody has seen and or have been popular over the last seven years. <laughs> um, and I think it started somewhere in the... Uh, in the um, in the pandemic, so if anybody wants to send me, it's like I I saw uh, Nightcrawler, really enjoyed it, really weird and dark, and then I also saw uh, Michael Clayton following on the um, those two uh, brothers um, who are now both doing Andor now, which will be it's very strange to hand that franchise to them. So if anybody wants to send in things that are just like, oh, this was good, you should check this out. Uh, feel free um and uh i'm slowly ger- germinating incubating a second podcast uh which i don't have time for cuz i we barely have time to schedule this one but i somehow got myself roped into a second concept that uh we're going to be recording and maybe out uh, i don't know toward the end of the year um, it's going to be TV driven, so hopefully you guys will be interested in that. Um, doing it with my friend Sean Conroy. Uh, so uh, I don't want I don't want to say too much because it probably will go away. 
I forget. Just realized I'm vamping on the main pod. Usually I vamp on the in the Patreon, and I feel less silly about it. But now it's to a huge portion of people. I'm wasting your time. Wonder what's happening with Matt right now. Wonder what like what is Henry doing? Why was he tearing up the books? Is he like is this his first step toward being a book burner? I mean that's not a good direction. Um. Let's see. So now it's time. This time of the podcast when I sort of face the uh, the empty hole in the center of my being because I'm just left to to spiral on my own. Uh, what have I done with my life, really? I mean, I got a. Is it a successful podcast? You guys are listening. We fooled you. I'm back at Goldberg's, by the way. They call me back in. Couldn't uh, couldn't make it without me. Um, season ten. That's really. It's uh, sort of upsetting because I'd like to be directing films, but it's a great room nonetheless. Here comes Matt. His bike is uh, my, what, right, my, Matt. When was the last time you used that bike? Was, am I cutting that out, or are you, are you happy with it? <laughs> happy is a happy is a strong a strong vote to give on that. But uh, I uh, I would say that that's on par with what they said that they enjoy. Uh, but why don't we leave it in and then remind me? Somebody okay, prod yeah. me later, and I'll do a pail. A, a pail. A pail. <laughs> I will take a pail. You guys will throw your votes into the pail. I'll mix them up. <laughs> I mean, whichever vote he catches the most of wins. <laughs> Remind me to do a poll, and I'll ask, and we'll see whether I continue vamping or not. And believe me, I will All not right. be offended if the answer is, that's really a waste of my time, and I'm listening to a Star Trek podcast. Um, in case you're wondering what Andy, what Andy, what uh, what uh, Henry wanted, uh, yeah, he needed uh, he needed another book to tear up. <laughs> Are you okay with him He's tearing like a, up these books? I want another book. Uh, Try to teach him the lesson that uh, we're not going to fix the books, and if he keeps break ripping the books, they have to get thrown out. You're gonna throw them out. You're not even gonna let him sort of, sort of piece them together himself, or go. Oh, oh he well, here's the beginning of himself book. now. Hmm. I don't know what this. I don't know what to take from this story. What this implies I, I about. I don't either. I mean, I was a very destructive child. So. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would stick things in sockets. I would, you know, sure. glue things together. I would smash things. It was my Any my. Easy, but- my grandmother actually called me Mr. Destruction, which I thought was awesome in retrospect. Look at him go. Look at him. He's still, look, look at him, him go. Look at he's, him. He's, That's Kirk. Kirk with some tribbles. He's going to tear that apart. I see that. Ready? Yeah. Oh. Uh, he's, he decided oh. against it. Or did Changed he rip it. something? Yeah. He's really... I believe he's, that's the Star Trek Book of Opposites. <laughs> he's so flipping like, through it with a very considered pace. He's not like... Yeah. He's not like well, just does, in a in a in a state of of chaos and rage. He's just sort of like, hmm, what shall I tear out next? He does, uh, you know, he really does love pretending to read. So, but. um, all right, back to these, back to these hails, huh, guys? Please and Lieutenant Andrew Gibson writes, Andy wondering about Q saving large space creatures makes me wonder if Q is the Steve Irwin of the 24th century. Crikey! Clever girl. <laughs> Clever girl. <I> <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Neil Studd uh, tells us, uh, when Bashir said that he detected three life signs, life signs on the shuttle, not two, I thought that maybe he still didn't understand how trills work. And then Justine Adamak says on the same topic, at the very beginning, there were three life signs on the ship. They find Q and Vosh. No one expresses any curiosity about the third life sign. Really? I think it would have made more sense if they had sensed two, assumed that Q was the second life form, only to realize later that Q emits no life signs. Hmm. Um, I believe it was the gem that was the third life sign correct the weird gem that they release into the cosmos at the end the whatever the, the glowing yes, orb because in my mind it was always uh, Q but that makes more sense that it was the glowing orb although why would it not read as a life form no it was Dax it was two crew members it was Dax the other crew member and Vosh Vosh was the third life sign Oh, that's right. Wait, no, so who is the surprise? The Vosh? Vosh was the surprise. Yes. Whatever the case, then the fact that they reveal Q-looking made it even more confusing. It's a very strange opening sequence. Um, Martin Hedegaard Peterson on the same topic says, I don't understand why they didn't transport the three life signs out of the shuttle in the beginning of the episode instead of talking about cutting into the hull. Am I missing something? Hmm. That's really true. Command Master Chief Robert Garrison uh, recount, re- replays this dialogue that I, forget, I forgot to comment on if I did, which is really right on, on point. How is Jean-Luc? Who? The captain. It was totally weird. <laughs> Well, 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 who? I mean, I was on Luke, and he says, "Whoa, oh, wait, 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 like, oh yeah, Jean Luke, which Jean Luke? Who are you talking about?" Captain Picard is someone who you would never consider calling Picard. Uh huh. I mean, calling Jean Luke, you know. You can't do the math. That's in why that it moment. caught him off guard. That's why it caught him off guard. You know what I think that is? That's that's uh, translation for the casual viewer. Like we're talking about Captain Picard. If you didn't know his name was Jean, but you Luke. could also, but the, but the, you could also go Captain Picard's great. At least the last time I saw him, that is true. I think that was what they were trying to do here, and what you just did just would have been the, the more logical way of doing it. No, but I God, think it was. DS9's I think it was worst. a subtle. I think it was a subtle nod to the stuffiness and impersonal nature of Picard to his crew. That O'Brien doesn't that, even think like, of him as like, Jean-Luc. It doesn't even lock in that you're going to yeah. be like, well, wait. Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess that is his first name. All right. I guess any of these are defensible. You know you know, people in your life that you only refer to by as, like, their last name or something? Right. And then someone refers to them, and you have to think for a second, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, for I call you... Kula. Kula is always Kula to me. Uh-huh. So if someone says Chris, I'm like... What? Oh, cool. Yeah, sure. And it's interesting that I am Andy to you, but to most other people in the comedy world and the improv world, I am Secunda. Yeah, you sometimes you're Andrew, too. Depends on your behavior. <laughs> I respect that. You got you to gotta wield uh, an, an iron fist at some points with me. Lieutenant Tess says, thinking about 
the people, myself included, who didn't take to DS9 or Voyager or Enterprise when they first aired and who are now finding something. That's how it's spelled. Or uh, now finding something entertaining about them. I look forward to revisiting the reviled new treks in 20 or 30 years to see if opinions soften. Winky face emoji. That'll be interesting. I mean, that would suggest to me, Tess, by the same transitive property, that some even more disliked Trek would have surfaced since then, which I guess is plausible. (laughs) Aren't you going to turn on, in 30 years, there's going to be a show that's just called Burnham? (laughs) She's definitely going to be bouncing around the Star Trek universe for a long time. You know... Here's an interesting question. How many other series were there, or what other series were there, where like, and I would say, I would argue it, it happened, it, this is just from um, anecdotal sense, that TNG was so well-liked that people kind of look back or now look back on TOS with a feeling of like, yeah, it was sort of started the thing. It's not as good as TNG. And now I feel like people kind of do that with DS9 to TNG. Yeah, I mean, I, that sentiment is out there for sure. Yeah, I think I agree with you. So even independent of the Star Trek universe, I wonder if there are other sort of franchise think, extensions just that like, are like that. They're different flavors of ice cream, you know? Uh-huh. They're both good. Right. You know. What you ice like, cream? You might like vanilla. I might like chocolate or French what ice vanilla. Cream? What ice cream? Ooh, is that what is that what TNG is for Jean Luc? <laughs> See, there you go. It makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, it's not for me because I don't like French vanilla. I don't understand the appeal of French vanilla. I like other versions. I like vanilla bean. Um, I like your your basic, you know, sort of straight vanilla. Andy needs a sandwich, and pizza, <laughs> and some ice cream. And some donuts, and a good pizza to cover up the bad pizza, and some tacos, and a burger, and some french fries, and a milkshake, and some cookies, and some onion rings, Matt needs a pizza too. One thing I didn't talk about in my rant is, uh, I really gotta hit the brakes. I have, I have been doing this weird intermittent fasting thing, which has justified my eating habits, and mm-hmm. I've just been going without... Without break. There's been no intermittent aspect to it at all. I'm just like, well, now I'm doing an intermittent thing, so I can do whatever I want. I would think that your intermittent fasting would be easier now that you have to go back to the office. No, it's harder. Because now I don't have control over, or I'm going to eat this this day and eat this this day. If they're having pizza, I'm probably going to have the pizza. You know, (laughs) Right, sure, okay. All right, I see what you're saying. And if I had pizza last (laughs) night, it's like, I don't care. I'm having the pizza. Double up pizza, it's here. <laughs> to be honest with you, though, that should be something where I'm like, oh, I can take the day off because generally when they deliver the pizza, they're the good. kinds of pizzas that are not that satisfying. But I have so little self-control that I eat it anyway. Uh, boy, is this a bloated hell section. And it's mostly due to me. Uh, and Henry. Henry played a part. <laughs> Henry, Henry, Henry made it longer. Joe Moore says the title was this was an answer I think probably me saying but what does the title mean the title was Q less because Vosh is resuming her life without Q Q less oh I thought it was that 
they were all I thought it was that we were all clueless as to what the plot of the episode was <laughs> zing uh, Kurt where's the air horn Kurt Unstead of Welcome to Geek Town podcast said so I had some thoughts after watching the episode and then listening to the podcast I think the big problem with Q in this episode is that there's absolutely no reason that he needs to get involved with the actual crew uh, in basically all TNG episodes, one or more of the main crew is intimately involved with what Q is doing on the ship. In this episode, he's trying to convince Vash to rejoin him in traveling the universe. But other than her happening to be on DS9 at the time, he does so. It doesn't involve any of the DS9 characters. So when he comes to Ops and starts teasing the crew about how Picard and his lackeys would have fixed this already, it doesn't make any sense. This has nothing to do with what Q wants, but we expect Q to make fun of the crew, so it's there. On a completely uh, unrelated topic, I believe slash hope, this is the worst Bashir gets. Perhaps he just needed a good nap to realize how much of an ass he was being. The very first podcast... No. All right, in this episode, it gets worse. Uh, The very first podcast, I was a, a guest on an episode of Give Me That Star Trek and was dedicated to the bromance of Bashir and O'Brien, so I know I will come to love him again. But man, is he rough to watch in this first season. Mm. Fair. Um, I think it's an interesting point about Q in this episode. Uh, I, th- I know the episode bothered Matt more than it bothered me, but it is interesting when you look at it through the lens of it almost being like... Uh, almost like a like a memory beta story or uh or like in comic books the backup story it's like not the main story it's a story you know um about uh uh you know plastic man you know going to the movies or whatever um uh then it's kind of satisfying then it's like oh yeah all right this is just a short side story about vash and uh, and q what happens to them it's just only when you look at it through the lens of like, well, this isn't a real Star Trek episode that it feels a little light, a little purpose light. <laughs> Commander Trav says diagnostic complexity. This was an answer to my questions about level one diagnostics, which maybe you understood, Matt. Uh, diagnostic complexity increases as the number decreases. So a level one is the most thorough and I believe is supposed to always involve a crew member's involvement. The computer can perform some diagnostics, but a member of the crew needs to perform a level one. I think there are a few inconsistencies over the years, but they do a pretty good job of sticking to the in-universe rules. And then Ben Sunko adds, in IT, a higher level of logging will result in a lot more data to work with, but it takes longer to produce and uh, sometimes and leaves you with a lot more data you have to process. So it takes longer to find what you want. The processing also takes a long time. If you have an idea of what the problem is, you do log analysis at a lower level with less information, but easier to find what you're looking for. This is one reason why you run different levels of log analysis in IT. There you have it. Was that your sense, or you just never thought about it? Never thought about it. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, You never tore the metaphorical pages out of the book on diagnostics the way I do. Well, I mean, you know, if the um, TNG technical manual was in a 
board book, I would probably tear through those, yeah. Lieutenant Nick Lambert says, I feel O'Brien should get a Medal of Valor for being so chill. Great wingman of Bashir in the opening. It would take Q-like powers not to eye-roll even a little bit at the inane Bashir. Didn't even really overreact to seeing Q. Didn't even squirm when being interrogated by Q about John Luke. Probably didn't know what he was talking about. You mean the captain? <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Lieutenant Patrick uh, says, My head cannon is that a Starfleet regulation uh, replicator on DS9 will only make synthahol. If you want real alcohol, you go to Quarks or somewhere else on the promenade where they have a non-federa- have non-federation replicators and actually go to the trouble of importing some age stuff. I think this was in response to my question of how is Quark able to charge for food and drink. Hmm. David Sidhu uh, tells us, the Riker-Bashir-Paris movie idea was so funny. Uh, but we've got to ask, if Riker-Bashir-Paris, and let's throw Kirk in there, we're all at a bar hitting on the same lady who was single-looking to mingle, who is she going home with? I think it. I think it, I think it's Riker and and Kirk that are the last two standing, and then yeah. That's a good, I think I think you know. You know, it's a, it's an interesting question of is it an era distinction? Because as you know, obviously T West was made in the sixties. If you want to hit canon, it was the was the universe different a hundred years before. <laughs> And uh, people responded to different approaches because Riker is definitely more smooth than Kirk. I think Riker's the smoothest. But you could argue that is Kirk more charismatic than Riker? I mean, that's just the, raw that's charisma. The age-old question, right? No, is it? Or is it just a question we're asking? <laughs> um, then I have a prime corrective on myself. I'm going home with Will. That's all I'm saying. I respect that. I'm going home with old Kirk, not young Kirk. <laughs> going old with Shatner one? in modern era. <laughs> okay. It'll be a lively evening. So circa like generations or just William Shatner currently in his 90-something-year-old? <laughs> no, like modern-day Twitter Shatner. <laughs> All right. Time for retrospective. C. Edwards uh, offered, because I've made this mistake several times, Francis Sternhagen, and I think you've corrected me, Matt, a.k.a. Esther Clavin, was never in Star Trek, and Anne Haney, TNG's The Survivors, was not in the pilot of Cheers. These things are true. That is correct, the pilot of Cheers, but... I don't... I think the I was, you tricked me, and my brain was like, "That's Cliff's mother." I, I thought you were right. Well, Francis Sternhagen is Cliff's mother, right? Sternhagen. Yeah. Anne Haney is the woman that I identified from the Survivors, and I thought was in the pilot of Cheers. And to explain where my brain has kept going, there is a scene. I don't know. Francis Sternhagen is still alive. 
Holy shit. She must She's have been 92. playing. She's she must 92. Have been, she must have been Cliff's, the actor's age, and or ballpark. No. No. She was born in 1930. Holy shit. No, Good she job. Was, she was, I think, I mean, when, when was Ratzenberger born? You don't have access to bringing up a, a Cheers episode real quick, do you? Seems like oh, be. I mean, Ratzenberger was born in forty-seven. So she's not she's not old enough to be his mom. Seventeen, yes, she is. Things <laughs> happen differently in the in nineteen forty-seven. That's fair. That's fair. And also, frankly, Cliff's she's mom probably, probably already married and divorced by then. Cliff's mom is someone who probably would have had a baby very young. Uh, uh yeah, he, I could bring up Cheers. Why would you want me to bring up Cheers? It's not that important, but if if it's season one, episode twenty two, at around seven forty nine, is the scene that I keep thinking was in the pilot of Cheers, wherein episode what season one episode what twenty two. And this down, is the part two. Yep, showdown. You have a time code somehow. Showdown. Sorry, seven forty nine. And it's okay. this. This is the bit that, in my brain, even though it's a kid that walks in, is the first thing you see in the Cheers pilot. This is the first bit you see, and it's uh, completely wrong. It's at the end of the first season. Well, it's after the my dream quinceanera promo. That was part of Cheers, though, right? Yeah, I think actually my dream quinceanera would be in the back room at Cheers. You know where the pool table is. <laughs> Seven forty nine. It's when the old ladies are there. Seven forty nine. She's not out with Derek again. It's a, oh, another con. I have a run up. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey! What happened to all the interesting talk around here? Huh? Look at that poor. I mean, schlub. I used to enjoy coming in here and listening to a good conversation. Now there's so much gossip, you should all have dryers on your heads. <laughs> Who's that guy? Where's that guy go? Okay, Sam. So what do you have? I'll have a cup of tea. Yeah. And I'll have a small sherry. Okay. Now, that sounds nice. Sherry sounds very nice. And it is late afternoon. I mean, is that is that the person? I think That's I'll the... have a glass of sherry too, please. Two sherries. Um, make that a glass of wine. White wine. Wine. I haven't had a glass of wine in ages. Is your wine dry? Yeah, it's okay. Then give me some wine, too. Two wines. You know what sounds like fun to me all of a sudden? What? A beer. I haven't had a beer since I don't know when. I used to have half a beer on a hot day. Well, it's quite cold out today. Then put a shot of whiskey with it, and it's perfect. <laughs> Two boiler makers, wild turkey and bud. I'll run a tab. Good. Such a long bit. They're gonna get fucked up. <laughs> anyway, that was the bit that I thought opened Cheers. That's Lois DeBonzi and Helen Page Camp. No, I Cheers guess- is the kid that the kid that says that war is gross. <laughs> <laughs> It's a much stronger bit to open a series with. Remember? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's and the woman on the left is the woman that I thought 
was Anne Haney. Um, and it's uh, two different actors. And uh, I was completely wrong. So I'm glad I finally... <laughs> You finally called me out on that, and I was able to piece together what the hell I was talking about. I was wrong with you. It's all it's all good. Uh, I think I did this backwards. Can you open up the hails proper, please? Here we go, everybody. Captain, Captain we are being hailed. Uh, hi, Andy. Uh, I got some audio for you every time... O'Brien fixes something. This needs to be played. It's from an Australian commercial, but I've trimmed out all of the fat and left in their jingle. I've refined my audio capture ability, so it should be crystal clear for the show. I hope it is of some use to you guys. Uh, live long and prosper. This is from Lieutenant Commander Kyle Barker, who does the wonderful TNC comics. If you want to check him out on his Instagram and or our face group and or our Instagram. And play O'Brien. Oh, oh, O'Brien. <laughs> Pretty good. So keep that ready. Katie Smart writes, uh, I would just like to say that I had a dream last night that I went to che- the Cheers bar and Worf was a regular there. I blame Matt and his Star Trek and Cheers love for this wild crossover dream. I love, love to it. you guys. You're the best. It's a great dream. Uh, we got a tweet. I want to show you this because I think you'll find it hilarious. Um, and this is from Moby's Dick at Pooh underscore Holes. Uh, and this is the Vosh figure from DS9. And oh my God! If you'll note, Matt, Moby's Dick comments: she comes with the F and duffel bag. <laughs> <laughs> kept noting everyone kept carrying her duffel bag let's see i wonder if it easily goes on other uh crew members other figures uh now if you can play uh the voice hail from our friend nick from massachusetts that's wild it also looks nothing like her. hey right guys nick from massachusetts here just packed the car after i got off route nine <laughs> you know how sucky that is anyway uh two things one Andy, you never do my accent in the accent corner, huh? You got something, something wrong with it, huh? Huh? Anyway, number two, um, I was thinking as I was listening to the most recent episode how Cisco uh, went to a conference on Q, but I wonder, you know, we see him with Picard, we see him with Cisco, we see him with Janeway, we see him on Lower Decks. He's probably got a relationship with every Starfleet captain there is. It's probably not a conference. It's probably more of like a support group where they all sit around and talk <laughs> about, well, hi, I'm Captain So-and-so, and this is what Q did to me. So, anyway, <laughs> I thought that was funny. But if you don't, whatever. Anyway, go socks. Bye. It might be a Discord. They might have a Discord, all the captains. That's uh, I like the idea of the intergalactic support group for Starfleet captains who've dealt with Q. <laughs> I also want to point out that the uh, the way they're trying to sell this Vosh figure, I still am staring at it. I knew you would. It's like, it's described, Vosh, mysterious galactic archaeologist from the hit TV show Star Trek Deep Space Nine. That's how you know her best. Galactic <laughs> accessories, duffel bag, statue, crystal with Proterra encasement, dagger. Wow. Bonus, really Federation Action Base. 
They must have really gone deep on these figures by this point. That's amazing that there's a Vosh action figure. I really want to know what the deepest cuts are for these figures. I mean, that's got to be up there. It's three episodes that person appeared in. Um, FYI, I'm just saying this because I've I've dealt with a couple of things recently. Many of you have been very nice and tried to send us things. the The PO box is a huge disaster. I I go in to pick things up, and they and as Matt warned me, it would be a disaster. Yeah, and I ignored him as usual. And uh, and it's just they send it back immediately, and then you guys have to send it again, and then so we're just pulling that. Don't you know? We really appreciate them. If you want to send us pictures of stuff, that's great. Uh, don't send us anything else because it's just it turns into a uh, a problem for both of us, but we really appreciate the uh, the efforts everyone uh, has sent. Uh, yeah, and also, if you send up something over sorry. time and you want to remind me, uh, I will give you I will credit you because I also am bad at organizing what's come in and what hasn't. <sighs> Just to close out that topic, um, Justin Luke Farr, uh thoughts on how Quark makes money on the replicators. Andy, I'd like to add my own headcanon to the monetization of replicators. It was postulated that perhaps the specific recipes are the monetized aspects aspect of Quark's replicators. But I would argue in a world of various degrees of advanced civilizations in the galaxy, not all species, or at least not all starships, have replicator technology. So coming aboard DS9 would be a treat for some to have ready-made, quote, fresh food, to enjoy after a long period of space travel. Also, maintaining the, quote, fuel of the replicator replicator may be a price point Quark has to maintain. You've got to ref, uh, keep refilling the molecules to use to replicate meals. Molecules ain't free. Or sure, you could just go to your room and use the replicator. But has it been established that, yes, you can come to visit DS9, stay a while, but there is, is there a rental fee for docking or staying in a room? Wouldn't it be prudent if the Vajoran government monetized the commercial use of DS9? Otherwise, it's just a free hostel in space, just a bunch of squatters in a space parking lot. Thoughts, Justin from Maryland. Maryland. My thoughts are, uh, whenever I try to think about the economy in Star Trek, uh, my brain cracks open. So I, I agree with you. To. It's just, uh, I mean, it's weird because that is the central facet of the Ferengi you know, trait or character. Well, Ferengi, so. I get Ferengi because they deal in one currency only, gold press latinum. So that I get. Bring some latinum if you want something from a Ferengi. Yeah, but if you're interacting with civilizations for which there is no currency, how does that interaction work? You go to the exchange. You go to the exchange inside of D Space Nine. You know, like when you when you fly to Europe and you go to an ATM and pull out euros. I know, but if you're coming from the Federation where money doesn't exist, and then you go to Quarks and they're like, "It's this much latinum for this service Star or this Fleet thing." Officers are given a stipend. They are given a stipend, so they do have money. Yep. Yep. Then it's all bullshit. They have money. It's all very confusing. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> um, hmm. You said there was only one sound in there? In the... T- I mean, I, I was on the wrong episode, I guess. 
is plays play here. Uh, do you have here's someone? Yep. Okay, hang on one sec. David Sidhu says, hey, guys, uh, here's a jingle to play when someone from TNG shows up on DS9. Happy to send one without an F-bomb if you'd like. So cover your kids' ears. Oops. Here's someone from TNG showing up on DS9. Oh, fuck, I thought it rhymed. <laughs> Thank you, David. That's what your voice sounds like. Uh, I don't. I should have warned you. I laughed at it. That's funny. I should have warned you, Matt. But we're in a face group section. You want to oh. find a face group sting? Uh, we have a face group on Facebook. Uh, delightful kind people. This is the end of the face group section for Star Trek: The Next Conversation. There you go. This is from Reese Badman. Uh, Hello, boys. After 24 hours, the results of my little face group poll are in. It was close, but the people have spoken. Free yourselves from the shackles of choosing an MVC that's only a crew member. Uh, see attached screenshots. So maybe you think that Walk On Extra from Scene 24 didn't even speak a line really made the episode pop. MVC, maybe Data's cat spot was the linchpin of the entire episode. Uh, MVC, but you say maybe it will screw up Brad Arrington's next chart. That dude lives for curveball data. I can already hear him getting worked up into a froth deciding what color will represent spot in the next damn spreadsheet. That dude loves raw data like Secunda loves margarita pizza. Do it, guys. MVC can now be anyone. Freedom. Hugs and kisses. Uh, Reese Badman, should I try and send this to you or should I just read it to you? Just tell me what. Okay. Uh, I've called the boys about MVC in the past. Their Galaxy's Child episode is brought up this yet again. Should the MVC be limited to only crew members or should it include any character in the episode? And then the choices are it can be most valuable character. That's 38 voids, votes. Voids. Uh, John Voights. So <laughs> John Voights. Oh, no. we got to give most Voight crew member. Uh, it can be most valuable crew member. That's 38 votes. It's most valuable. Wait. These are all the same choice. It's most valuable crew member. That's the same one. Isn't that the same thing? Oh, it can be val- most oh, valuable character God. is one. That's 38. It's most valuable crew member. That's 32 votes. So it's, it's, it's characters edging out crew member by six votes. Or uh, I'm going with crew member because I'm scared to change it this late in the game. That's five votes. So that's added. So that makes it 37 votes for crew member. And then the last one is it's most valuable cast member. LOL. That's only one vote. So I guess it's most valuable well, character by rude, one vote. Because that's what we called it in marveling I believe I think that's true most valuable cast member and only one person voted for what we liked so fuck you all no no you're wrong it's more people 38 people voted for most valuable character oh cast no, member no, you're right. we that said is, cast but, member right you're yeah. right all right yeah 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 yep How dare they? okay so did that resolve anything Andrew uh, it's most valuable I mean if you're going by this poll it's most valuable character great Let's just do that. Who cares? What do you mean, who cares? Don't say who cares. This is very important. 
that's the uh, end of the hails. If you'd like to send us a hail, send it to sdtncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading. Um, you can tweet Matt at Matt Meyer. You can also Instagram him there. You can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda, or you can tweet me at Secunda. If you want to send us a voicemail, you can send it to 816-TREK-TNC. If you want access to our Priority One messages, which I look at first, join the Patreon at any level. And... Um, I mean, I guess that's it. That's all I have to say about that. It's only 56 minutes. Could have been worse. Great. Love writing that down. I always have a pang of guilt whenever I put the time code in. Because it's too long? Begins at... Oh, no. <laughs> I actually thought it was going to be much worse with the, uh, with the, uh, the vamp in the middle. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's talk about the episode. Uh, here we go. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Hi, yes, this episode is Dax, which aired, uh... When did it air, Andy? In February of 1993. February 13th, to be precise. What was happening? The number one song... Let's do the number one alternative song, The Devil You Know by Jesus Jones. We have done that. Oh, Oh, have we? Do Do you want to do... Sure, it's fine. The one song in the UK is No Limit by 2 Unlimited, if you want to try that one. There you go. There's your taste of Jesus Jones. <laughs> Do I hear No Limit? No. Uh, what else is happening? Andy? The number one song in the U.S. "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston hangs in there. Mm-hmm. Number one movie, Groundhog Day. Number one TV show that week, the miniseries Queen, starring Holly Berry. Birth that week, Victoria Justice. Oh, interesting. Nickelodeon's Victorious. Uh, events. Elton John is forced to end a concert in Melbourne, Australia, when a swarm of grasshopper, grasshoppers cover the stage. Crazy. <laughs> it's basically locusts, isn't it? <laughs> I would take so. that as a bad sign. Uh, Time Magazine cover The Chemistry of Love, Discovering That Romance is Biological. Cool. Um, and then I have uh, an Elsewhere in Trek. Yeah. Uh, I have a song for that, or sound, rather, for that. All right. Um, what could it but be? But I don't know what I did be? with it. Should I start? Aha. Uh-huh. Elsewhere in track. Let's see what's out there. Engage. <laughs> Very grand. As discussed last time, this week's episode was Tapestry, which aired on February 15th. February 16th, Brandon Braga turned in the final draft script for Frame of Mind. 
The Akuta Star Trek chronology notes that just prior to Tapestry, Geordi LaForge attended a party in his mother Silva's honor. She had just been promoted to captain of the USS Hera. Since the next entry in the chronology is the attack that almost killed Picard, it seems like Geordi could easily have been away from the Enterprise during Tapestry. One can almost hear Jean-Luc upon Geordi's return. Ah, Mr. LaForge, good to have you back. I've had a sobering vision of my own mortality that made me question my life choices. Well, hope you enjoyed your uh, mother's party. I think it, I think the, it, they solidified his life choices. He didn't question them after that event. That's true. If anything, that's what I, he would have said. I think he's uh, he, he, the, he choice, like, the way he questioned his life choices you in, didn't the, in miss the vision. Much. I'm a man with no imagination because I am of a lower rank and not in a, in a, in a command section. Really? I mean... Really hierarchical accurate. perspective. Look, he was punctual. <laughs> I forgot about that. What <laughs> a slam. Uh, all right, Does that is that it? Yeah. I would think that would have made him question his relationships with the people on the on the ship that if he didn't have status would any of them have been his friend or did the man that he was not reach out yeah that's possible too you know that's not the vibe I got also nobody would be his friend if it wasn't the captain I think that's really what's going on well why would they you see you see his modern life Canonically, yeah, he 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 lives alone with two Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, you spend that much time in Starfleet, and that's that's what you end up with: two United Romulans States and two that- Romulans. One of them is dead after for no reason, and then you kind of like the other one. I don't know. Two Romulans that he saved their lives. By the way, yeah, they owed and, him a life debt. That's why yeah. he had people around. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's like Chewbacca and Han. All right. They, they saved each other, though. I don't know. I didn't see Solo, a Star Wars story. You didn't? I did not. Oh. No, thank you. <laughs> well, anyway, at least, you know, there's got to be you know, some stuff you would have enjoyed in there. Well, Woody Harrelson's always a treat, but hard pass. Uh-huh. Um, you get to find out why his name is Solo, don't care probably something very dumb like he was alone so he was called solo that actually would make more sense <laughs> <laughs> or he could fly solo <laughs> no also would make more sense <laughs> all right i'm sorry let's talk about dax okay i've lost any semblance of where we were and where that mm-hmm. window went because i opened it to play cheers so now it's not queued up anymore you're saying that like that's a that's a negative. When uh, I think we were all delighted to hear that very, in retrospect, slow and again, those of you who might have been clip. a little frustrated that that's what happened in this episode, I remind you the time code is written in the description. So if this kind of thing makes you go cuckoo bananas, just refer to the time code and just use the little scrub bar and skip ahead. Thank you. Good day. All right, Andy, let's jump in. Four six nine one zero point one. 
Chief O'Brien has escorted his wife back to Earth to celebrate our mother's 100th birthday. In the meantime, the rest of us are trying to keep the station up and running. I feel like you never heard of Captain's Log, like, Jordy's at his mother's birthday party. I don't think we could keep the ship together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know when to bring this up, but I might as well do it here since you're sort of addressing it. Fucking Cisco was in charge of Utopia Planitia, wasn't he? Why are they so fucking dependent on O'Brien? Isn't he just equally or, you know, as a uh, 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 competent to fix engineering problems in this place? I don't think Cisco has an engineering background. What did he do at Utopia Planitia? Administration. <laughs> he was making a big deal about him building the Defiant. What did he just say? I would like a ship. Make a ship with pew-pews on it. I mean, he made a ship that never went into active service because it was overpowered and would pull itself apart at high warp, so... What yeah, but what you? did he what make What does that it? tell you? You think Jordy would design a ship like that? No. So you're saying he just sent a memo saying, I want one with the most overpowered ship you can make. No, he didn't. He wasn't the lone officer on the Defiance uh, design stage. It's not like he picked the color scheme of the rug. I feel like you're underselling him. I feel like if he was in charge of Utopia Planitia, he had to have a deep engineering background. I don't think he. I don't think that's ever explicitly said. I mean, maybe I could be wrong, and if I am, prime corrective. Here it comes. It's almost as if the refiltration processes were waiting for Chief O'Brien to leave before breaking down. This technology looks like something the Cardassians must have taken from the Romulans. Is that an RCL Type One matrix field? Or perhaps we should call in the Romulan repair service. Or an RCL Type Two. Another wreck to Gino. It'll keep me up all night. I can think of better ways of keeping you up. And they're more fun than drinking Klingon coffee. Gross. Definitely type one. Um, Andy. Yeah. He first went to Starfleet Academy for engineering. Mm-hmm. And then... He flunked out. <laughs> he left because he was homesick. <laughs> Already a weird turn on this character. <laughs> and then he came I back. can't help it. I miss my mum. He, he probably missed his dad's cooking. His dad's cooking? Uh, his dad owns a restaurant in New Orleans. I was, I was going to guess that, unless I already knew it somehow. I gotta say, fucking right at the first minute of this show, Dax is getting the full court press from Bashir and is being stared at weirdly by these guys through a vent. It's not a, it's a tough day for for Dax. Also, I like when they walk around that vent. It's like literally just like that's the creeping vent. <laughs> it's the only reason it's there. Stand there. <laughs> Escort you to your quarters. Jaxby, I'll meet you down by the creeper vent. Oh. Well, good night then. She's a real sport. 
Not bothered. Doesn't, it seems like she's really containing all the annoyance. She's containing every emotion possible in this episode. <laughs> See, now I'm going to make the argument as we go through this that I think Terry Farrell handled, acquitted herself very impressively based on what is written in this episode. And she emoted quite oh, a bit my, when her... Criticism is not to Terry Farrell. It's the right. No, I understand, but I, I guess I'm saying I feel like even with the restriction of the script, which we're in agreement on, um, she found a way to kind of be like, well, I'm not going to tip my hand at this, but I have to show something. But she did. I mean, maybe it was just written poorly, but the second she has that conversa- first conversation with Cisco about it, I was like, oh, I know what happened. She she says enough that cues it off. Yeah, I was like, oh, she didn't do it, but she's covering for somebody. Yes, and uh, I, I knew that, but I see, I can't wait to see who that guest actor is that we probably have seen before. And then, of course, <laughs> Data's mother shows up. I'm like, bingo! Will it be Cliff's Although, mother? She didn't do it. Luckily, she didn't do it. No, that that was a surprise. I, I liked thought... that little. Yeah. Did you think that was a? that was a twist or they always just thought like oh they're not going to know what it is because it was a twist I thought oh she killed him and she just thought he was a dick but she didn't kill him no 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 because they had because they the his alibi I always figured Dax's alibi was going to be her and if she was the alibi then she couldn't have been responsible for the death why because if she was with if she was accounted for and he was accounted for at the time that the transmission went. Oh, and you did think she was going to be the alibi. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't think... I thought, based on how she was talking about the guy, that he was a dirtbag, which he was. That, although it does beg the question, why was Kirsten Dex friends with him in the first place? But putting that aside... Because uh, he, he was into his wife. That was the only reason? Is that the subtext? I mean, it kind of seems like it. Well, also, he was probably Dax is more of a dirtbag to... than they're even presenting, man. I know this guy He's is probably... horrible and evil, but I'm going to still befriend him so I can be with his wife. No, he was. I think he was helping to look for the mole, and like they had suspected this guy. Oh, you think he was investigating that guy? Yes. So he's James Bonding it? Yes. Wow, impressive. That's what I think. What's the one? Is it Casino Royale? It's Casino Royale where Bond does that, right? Or is it is it Spectre? What's the one where he gets with? About? Maybe there's a couple of them. What's the one with the lady from the What's Matrix? What's the way where he sleeps with a woman? What is that? One? <laughs> What's that one? <laughs> it's the one where he sleeps with the wife of the villain that has died of the crim of the, the Spectre. Spectre guy. That's Spectre, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, like that. Uh, anyway, I thought she was almost with the resistance. He was against the resistance, and she had her own husband killed. And Dax was covering for her because she basically had a an evil person assassinated. Mm. Interesting. Oh, we missed the uh, we missed the. Uh... I think Bashir, between seasons, at some point, one of these between seasons, Bashir must go to sensitivity training 
and like have a like a, a three a three week course on consent. <laughs> <laughs> is there a hard shift? Because this yeah. is bonkers. It's like no means no, doctor. Oh, surely you don't mean that, but I'm very charming. Not necessary, Julian. But not forbidden either. It's funny how they play him in almost a cliche, quintessential, like, fucking dirtbag. Like, it's just, of all the things that date poorly in these shows, that moment is the most insane that she literally says, no, I'm going to bed. Well, she said this, but she didn't say full no. And I'm going to go to her fucking room and knock on her door. Like, dude. Yes, Major. I'm just not sure, Commander. What does it look like to you? It looks like a residual charge in the graviton generator. If that's what it is, it'll bleed off. Let's run a quick level three diagnostic just to be sure. Should have run a level two. Level two. Sure you don't want to level, run a level one. What, are we going to waste our entire morning? Ops. Three people. I think they just took Jadzia. She tried to struggle with him and I tried to help, but... Full station security alert. I'm ineffectual. But I'm me. <laughs> My character is mostly comic relief. Um, <laughs> There'll be a shift eventually, but for now, I couldn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I've been established as having enough skills to help in any situation. Um, the uh, There's a moment, and maybe you can explain it to me, and I guess based on what we've seen of Bashir's behavior and how the show's presenting him is still like, oh, he's still charm. He's a rascal. Um, maybe this is just the answer to it. It's just like, well, this is another thing. Bashir pulls the hood off the alien, and then yes. he's like, <gasps> "Is that he because it's a woman?" That's what it is, huh? And I was just and, like, "What? Well, I don't get it." What is it? And doesn't feel right about punching <laughs> a woman in the face. So dumb, <laughs> so stupid. I literally was like, <laughs> "It's not just because she's a lady, is it?" <laughs> no, I believe so. I think you're right. It's so crazy. I believe, I believe that's entirely what's happening. I just left her combat. How long ago, Doctor? Oh, I'm not sure, really. What are you doing? I'm not even good at telling you. Turn right at the next corridor. Uh. DC All right, so... I was like, um, I was very surprised the tractor beam worked. <laughs> it's a, it's a very interesting misdirection of just sort of like they do such a good job at shutting all these things. These people are very effective kidnappers. I mean, I know they don't get away, but you got a lot of steps that were very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I agree. I was surprised that it was that it was just like now this doesn't work now this doesn't work all right i fixed it now the tractor beam works again <laughs> well i liked the setup of the gravitons and the tractor beam and then i liked the uh it's interesting like the writing call Meanie out I, he must have had been doing a movie or something yeah uh the, but the, the irishman who went up went up a hill and down a mountain came down a mountain yeah uh i was surprised that the the tractor beam worked and the three of them and Dax just casually walked off the ship. 
I kind of like that. I was like, whoa, it all it worked. I think they know their. It shows their professionalism. They're like, all right, well, we did everything we could. Um, but I have this to say about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They're doing this. I guess it fits with the whole the, every sexist element of the entire th- first three minutes of this show, but uh, or eight minutes. But they're like doing this fucking classic kid- kidnapping victim thing, where it's like they rough her up a little bit, and then it's just like, oh, I'm conscious enough to be dragged along on my feet but I'm not conscious enough to to fight back in any way <laughs> um, doesn't Dax have uh, and I don't know that this was answered in this in this episode doesn't Dax have several lifetimes of combat training in her brain or yeah. in her symbiont yeah yeah Could but that she... wouldn't really work for the plot it's very irritating and it doesn't extremities serve the character. I, them. I like that he them. says extremities where I can see them. Yeah, Because not everybody's going to have hands. That's right. Security? For instance, I can create one, a tentacle like this. Are you all right? My name is Ilan Tendro, special envoy from Claystron 4, in charge of this extradition procedure. Extradition? I call this kidnapping a... <laughs> She's not even mad. No. Like... Before she knows who they are, uh-huh. she's not mad that she was just taken off the ship and beaten up. Like, there's no... I kind of saw no that as reaction. badass. I kind of like that she's unflappable in that she way. I don't know if word. that's out of character. She's just like, all right, I guess I'll figure out what the hell's going on soon. A ballot warrant for her arrest. The relevant treaty between Kleistron Four and your Federation allows for unilateral extradition. And the charge... Fugitive Dax is charged with treason and the murder of my father. It's actually Jadzia Dax. <laughs> What's your take on that? Uh, I, it's just it's asking a lot of the actress. What like in that shot in that, that yeah track in that push in like I don't know it is it is a push in that doesn't reveal anything but I guess the the approach right. of this it's interesting because the way they're handling the presentation of Dax's reaction to all this is not that different than the tone of this whole show which is in all the other Star Trek shows it's always you know, anywhere from very hammy to, you know, somewhat dramatic. And this show is very restrained and under the radar and people just sort of doing their jobs. And on the one hand, it's kind of like there's this internal feeling of like, what what is it? Come on. Is is there more here? What's going on? And on the other hand, I don't know. I've been increasingly feeling like this scaled down feeling, almost the wire-like, where it's like, just you know oh then they're doing this then they're doing this then they call in the person and then they have a court case and then and so by the same token i mean it's logical that if jadzia was a cool customer that when the reality was revealed of what the deal was she'd be like oh it's this thing that curzon did i'm just gonna play it cool i'm not gonna turn over on the lady so I'm just going to have to fucking wait this out. 
Now, is that effective dramatically? That's a separate question. But I think it's authentic to the character. Oh, I mean, don't... I mean, it's not... I'm not... I don't think anything's inauthentic to the character here. I just think it's an interesting sort of way that they're going about portraying... Like, it's an interesting way that they're like... I'd be interested in see what the script says the stage direction is for Dax. I agree. Do they have the scripts online? A pensive look from Dax, or Dax looks off a feeling of whatever. You know, like, I'd love to know what these readers were. Dax Dax. thinks Mm. about how she had an affair with... The dead man's Clystron wife. Four as a Federation mediator during their civil war. He never mentioned he'd even been to Clystron Four. Strange. Not so strange, considering these charges. Oh, no, let me tell you something. Curzon Dax tended to be a little cavalier about life, even about his personal responsibilities from time to time. I think that was part of the reason I liked him so much. He had more faults than the usual socially acceptable trill. He was not a murderer. How about a traitor? It says Dax betrayed the Klystron government to the rebels. It's all nonsense, Constable. I'm telling you I knew the man. But did you know the symbiont inside the man? He was a dog, not a murderer. What is that a reference to? <laughs> he was like, uh, he was, uh, he was always chasing ladies. Oh, I see. Because I, I, my brain went to that episode of uh, would, would Voyager where Paris out. is accused of murder and there's a dog involved. <laughs> it would be funny if it was revealed that Curzon was actually a dog. <laughs> It's so funny. Like every ep- every series of Star Trek has somebody in the crew wrongfully accused of murder. That's true. And in Voyager, I mean, it was also in regards to to a weird adultery plot. Yeah, and like even going back to uh, TOS, like it's pretty wild that this is like a thing that keeps coming up. Subspace message to Clystron Four requesting confirmation of the warrant. That's the only stall I could think of. Now, what the hell's going on, Dax? Dax, if I'm going to help you, you've got to help me. I don't expect any help, Benjamin. Thank you, though. Are you crazy? Treason and murder. On Clystron 4, either of those gets you the death penalty. matter with you talk to me before i have to let these people take you no i'm sorry benjamin but no that was where i was like oh i put the plot together in my head (laughs) i was mostly right yeah we've got 18 20 years of friendship behind us i'm judzia dax now that was Curzon Dax you knew for 20 years. So when that... the Dax part of you survived from one host to the next, it really didn't take our friendship along. Benjamin, you know you're still my very dear friend. I'm sorry. And this is where I'm, I was the most confused about, and I assume I'll get more information as we go, but it's sort of the, and she said it already, 
first there's been the playful kind of like old man stuff and and it's kind of like hey, it's the same guy but now you're you're a hot lady um and i was sort of like oh okay i guess i guess i get that vibe then she's like and she said it a couple of times like i'm jedzia i'm not curzon and i'm like okay well you're drawing a line there mm-hmm. in an almost defensive way and then she follows it up with but you're still my very dear friend so i'm confused well, as far as I can tell, she's just putting up a front here. Um, the Jedzia part is just sort of... To protect Curzon. Yeah. Uh-huh. But is to, it... And protect the promise that Curzon made. What do you mean? I think I understand what you mean, but... To never discuss anything that happened. You're saying she's only saying I'm Jedzia now to basically push off. Yeah. But if if she was saying that, that seems to imply to Cisco I'm not the same person, so you should protect me as a separate person. As opposed to I am Curzon, I'm responsible for what Curzon did. Yeah, but Curzon didn't do anything. So like it's like the lie of omission, you know? Never does she say, Curzon did this, I have to go back. Right. She only ever says, you can't help me here. Which was some of the frustrations I had with the character. Well, you're basically suggesting that her weirdness in this scene is based on, not on her an actual description or reflection of what trills are but more of her trying to be evasive about yes. you know, what happened in the past, yeah. which, of course, yeah. that only leaves me more confused. Is like the, the main thing I'm trying to get a beat on is you got a symbiont put in you. Do you then experience the world? I guess you become a combo of that symbiont uh whatever mind consciousness and your own so it's like i guess where i'm confused is like in the the in the in the beverly episode with the trill it seemed like the the symbiont was in love with or whatever form it was in before was in love with beverly then it's put into was it riker um temporarily put into riker yeah and then in, in a lady at the end, and the lady is basically advancing like, I'm still in love with you. So is that just like, well, that's just that symbiont, whatever. Consciousness is so strong that uh, this lady who just met Beverly is also in love with Beverly. Or is it that that's the way it always works? You know what I'm saying? Like that suggests you're practically fully the symbiont when the I symbiont I think it depends on who in. you are. You know how like you're in a you see you you have friends that uh, are in relationships with different people, and their vibe like changes when they're with that person. Yes, it's like becoming a different being almost sometimes. Uh huh. I always think of trills as a couple. <laughs> That's an interesting spin. <laughs> yeah, because it's like the two people together. So now this is this is not Dax and Curzon. This is Dax and Jadzia. Right. This is what Dax and Jedzia are like. But uh, Cisco has been friends with Dax forever. Yeah. And he really liked Curzon. That Curzon-Dax, right. that was a great couple to hang out with. 
Now right. Dax has this Jadzia, and he's like still trying to figure it out. What is Dax like with Jadzia? How's this right. gonna go? Are we gonna be into the same stuff? Are we gonna have I, fun or no? I mean, already I'm I'm fascinated with the idea because it seems like my vague sense of Jadzia thus far, even from her being you know nerding out about the Cardassian technology, is that she's a little bit of a you know and a, a nerd focused on tech stuff and you know efficient yeah. and whatnot. And that Curzon was this fucking dog that was, you know, chasing ladies and being a, a bad boy and being kind of out of control. So, or was or was Dax doing that? Dax was Dax doing or, that before? Who was the dominant? Sorry, know, I meant I meant Dax, not not Curzon, or yeah. Curzon Dax, whatever it is. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting question in itself. Okay, whatever the case, uh, I got a, a little present for you, Matt, because they do have. Uh, the uh, the DS9 scripts online. Oh, oh, beautiful. Let's hear let's hear what that that le- that cold open end look is. The relevant treaty uh, between Klystron Four and your Federation allows for unilateral extradition. And the charge: uh, the fugitive Dex is charged with treason and the murder of my father. In surprised perplexion, Cisco looks to Dax for a response. None comes. Her face remains a tight and closed, utterly uncommunicative stone wall. Move in and hold on that face as we end of Act One. I always find it weird when it's like, as we end of Act One. Just take out the of. End Act One. Um, Also, like, you call your cold open the first act? That's interesting. Oh, that is an interesting side note. Wait a minute. I (laughs) I bet you it says cold open at the top. Let's find out. Nope, it says Act 1. Nope. That's weird. Oh, no, because... Oh, weird. The teaser... Oh, right, because the cold open... The cold open ends with uh, with Bashir knocked out. So that is... Yeah, that is Act 1. Okay. Right. Yeah. Anyway, look, I hope you like my new way of looking at the trill as a couple. Yeah. Uh, because I just thought of it, and now I like it a lot. It yeah. makes a lot more sense to me. Okay. You've received your confirmation, Commander. Now we'd like to be on our way with the prisoner. You know, Mr. Tundro, I kept wondering why you tried to kidnap Lieutenant Dax rather than just present your warrant to me in the proper way. I couldn't figure that out at first. What would you think of this good cop, weird cop? <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty funny. No Bajoran interests are even involved here. How did you know your way around the station so well? My conversation is with the commander. No, your conversation is with my first officer now. You Klystrons are allies of the Cardassians. Your knowledge of the station confirms that. They must have given you the layout, which not only compromises Bajoran security, but also... I'm afraid Bajoran interests are involved. And Bajor is adamant that... At least I believe it's adamant. Oh, oh yes. You see, (laughs) there will have to be an extradition (laughs) hearing before I can lawfully release Lieutenant Dax. I feel like it's weird cop, weird cop. (laughs) That is a scene where I would be curious to watch their performances as the show goes on. Because I think that's two different actors... That are like, are we going to go to, what do you want to go to, eight in this scene? Or you want to go to ten? <laughs> We're like, oh, I fucking jack this scene up. I'm going for it. <laughs> and they both are. 
That felt like an agreed bananas. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Shall we? Yes. <laughs> that being bananas, said, indeed. <laughs> that being said, this is the kind of thing that I'm really appreciating about this show thus far. Is that's a weird, intricate scene of political maneuvering and jurisdiction? Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by it. I'm like, oh, great. I'm, let's get into it. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Almost in the same way that I feel like you appreciate protocol. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that I, I, I. It's very odd in a Star Trek show up to this point. I'll say that, but I'm. Well, I always, I always like a gotcha political loophole. Gotcha. No. <laughs> <laughs> Restriction. You know, like in Measure of a Man, what it's like. Uh, don't we get a trial? I'm the commanding officer. I shall represent the data. <laughs> so you can't take them without this. Restrictions. Building codes. Since the provisional government took over, they've got their hands into everything. And, of course, I'm the one who's expected to enforce their rules here. You know, I think this bar is just a little too near the exit. This is blackmail. No, it's just business. Kind of an imperialist and pig. Business is business. An overlord. I mean, I mean that scene was literally just written because they didn't want to build a set. Yeah, that that was why. For sure. Before we're too far uh, from it, one thing we was, can't redress that. Uh, God, we can't redress quarks. We gotta. We gotta just leave it as is. There's, no, the there's no room for a court. Maybe we should do it out in the hall. <laughs> um, one thing before we get too far from it. Uh, when they were trying to track down, they when they figured out, oh, the kidnappers are in whatever, corridor, wherever. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just beam Odo down? FYI. To the or, wow. or if they weren't even going to beam him. Odo kind of walks out, so briskly walks out. If he's ever chasing anybody, why doesn't he just transform into a wheel or some shit and get down there faster? Hmm. That's what I say. I, I know, know the why answer. he's not a wheel all the time. I know the answer to that question is because of buttons. I guess I'd be a wheel most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that wheel is eating Holding a lot of pizza. would involve Dax leaving the station, and I don't want to risk that. Well, now, that's a coincidence. Our good friend Quark just donated the use of his facility for the hearing. Nice gesture. I thought so. You know, I haven't been able to get a word out of Dax about any of this. So I thought someone might go do some investigating on Kleistron for itself. What do you think? This case has 30 years of dust covering it. The extradition hearing will take about 30 minutes. I was hoping to make it a little longer than that. Good luck. What do you think of Odo? I like the, uh, let's put Odo against this wall and he'll be on a different planet. <laughs> <laughs> Always radioing in what's going on. I like You want to show the planet? No, no, just build a fucking wall. Well, they do build the one set, that, that, that uh, living room set. And then here's Cliff's mom. Mm-hmm. You seek the extradition, make your case. I know it's not The Cliff's accused mom. Trill, whatever its present appearance may be, 
was and is a Federation officer who committed capital crimes on our planet. Since there is no time limit on the prosecution of such crimes... Thank you. I have already read the warrant and the charges. The crimes described are 30 years old. What took you so long? The evidence was contained in military files which were officially sealed until recently. Fine. Sit. I like, the, I like that they portray this judge lady as Commander, fucking over it from the beginning. Commander, the warrant is in order. On what grounds do you ask that I deny extradition? You say the warrant's in order, but the name on the warrant is Dax. Certainly, that doesn't refer to Jadzia Dax, a female. But to the now-deceased Curzon Dax, a male. This young woman wasn't even born 30 years ago. You are arguing semantics. This creature is a trill. The symbiont known as Dax has progressed from one host to the next. Exactly, from one host to the next. A different host, a different person. So I submit that the person he wants to extradite no longer exists, and I challenge him to prove otherwise. That's ridiculous. It would have been easier on me, Commander, had you not raised that particular point. But the penalty for these crimes on your planet is death, and that is rather permanent. So, before I grant extradition, you will convince me, please, that the person named in your warrant is the person who is standing here now. I really hope... Well, I have two things to say. Go ahead. Uh Uh-huh. Well, okay, so the way this is playing out... Yes. ...with the plot... You would think that, like, there would be some ticks of emotion on Jedzia's face, like, oh, they're going to get... Because Jedzia knows that the Dax symbiote didn't do anything. And if the extradition doesn't work, then she's theoretically... Going to die. Scot-free. Oh, if the extradition doesn't work, I guess. But, uh, yeah, also, I guess if she goes anywhere, they could always get her. Well, no, I mean... I don't know. We, we we probably should put that aside and just assume that she is looking at it as I will either be extradited or I won't be. Yeah, but she seems to want to be extradited. I feel like she mostly just wants to not turn over on the lady in whatever form that takes. Mm. But uh, or at least in retrospect, I don't know what we're yeah. supposed to think at the time. But here's a here's a. Uh, it's not a question. It's just a thought. I hope mm-hmm. at some point. Because it's really rich if this is the direction we're going in. That at some point there's a symbiont that is a fucking evil genius. And whoever, whatever trill you, you put the symbiont in, they, uh, they turn that person evil. Because that's a great plot. Um, that's A. B. Uh, I don't know if it's an Andy's theory so much as my observations thus far. I think Dex is a, is a dirtbag. I think I think the symbiont itself, but I'd need to see more. It's just a, a working theory. I want you to find all the medical evidence you can to support the theory that Jadzia Dax and Curzon Dax are two entirely separate people. Major? Excuse me, sir. I, I don't know that there is any medical evidence on that. Assume there is, then find it. Major? I'm not asking you to be an attorney here, but if you could check the Federation computers for any precedents, legal decisions involving Trills. Is a Trill responsible for the conduct, for the acts, of its antecedent selves? Right. That kind of thing. What if I find the answer is yes? Then that answer is wrong. 
From this minute on, our answer is no. Uh, my uh, main thing... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want you to go ahead. The main thing I just want to say about Bashir is this felt... Whenever I've been in a position of authority, this is the kind of answer that drives me insane. When it's like, okay, I would like us to do this, or this is the direction I want to go in. Well, we can't do that. Well, no. No, I can't do that. No, that's probably not what the answer is. It's like, yeah, I know it's difficult, or there's an angle. I'm saying let's work in this direction. Can you explore it, please? So I immediately would have been irritated with Bashir. That his immediate stance is, I don't think we're going to find that information. I mean, we might as well give up now on Jadzia. No, I would have. <laughs> You're not on Jadzia's side. What have you Look got at her face. Gunsful? She's guilty as sin. She's stonewalling us. She's got to be guilty. <laughs> Two things so far. Whoever did murder that General Ardalan Tandro, it got his troops so mad they went out and won their civil war. They made the general a national hero. There are statues of him all over the place. Second, everyone that's old enough to remember says the General and Curzon Dax were the closest of friends, comrades, inseparable. Now that sounds like the Curzon Dax I knew. But treason, plus the murder of his own best friend? <laughs> Strange business. If those charges are true, I'd want to hang Curzon Dax up by his heels myself. Thanks for the confidence. Don't worry, I'll do my job. The general left a widow. If the two men were that close, she has to remember something about Curzon Dax that's not on the record. You'll hear from me. <laughs> like that he, he turns away at the end because, of course, his eyes are everywhere on his head. Doesn't matter which way he's looking. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we see Flanagan here. All right. I need a Tandro, and I was like, oh, all right. Father, he never knew. And you thought oh, I tried immediately. To persuade him not to what did the so? Case. What did you think at this point? I was like, "Oh, he's protecting this lady." Oh, you did think he was protecting this lady. Yes, protecting this lady from an affair, from people an affair getting out, not yes. from her being the murderer. Correct. And who did you think was the murderer then? Paris. I didn't. I didn't think about that actually. I weirdly just thought if she's covering if he's cover if Curzon how do I say this you can't buy back a character that covers for a murderer in Star Trek so oh I, see. I didn't think I didn't think that was the way they were going even if it's like a, you know a political assassination for good has that ever been done in Star Trek? That, that's not the Federation's way. I mean, Section 39 must do it. 31. 31. I always get it wrong. And keep watching Deep Space Nine to see if they ever do anything like that. Yeah. You won't listen to anyone, least of all to me. You have to understand, Curzon Dax was closer to the General than any other man on this planet. He was a dear friend to this family, Curzon would have died himself sooner than conspire against my husband. Is that a personal opinion, or are there any facts that would support this? The only facts I have are in my son's hands, and he intends to use them against Dax. Your son it did. might help my people to know what they are. There is proof of a secret transmission. 
that was made from our military headquarters to the enemy camp. It identifies exactly the route my husband was taking on his way back from the capital to the front. It was at that time that he was ambushed and kidnapped. A short time later, he was killed. Then your son must believe that Dax made the transmission. There were only five people, including my husband, who knew that route. My son has established the whereabouts of all of them at the time of the transmission. All of them, except Curzon. So Dax has no alibi. <laughs> that cannot possibly be enough to convict him. Can it? I don't know. Thank you. You've been helpful. Turns into a wheel, rolls out. <laughs> why did just why did it just turn into a starship? <laughs> a little starship. Why not just turn it into like a bomb or something and come and get me? <laughs> Turns into a giant crane. A flying crane, that is. It can't form complex moving parts. Knives, stabbing weapons. <laughs> you can turn it into a drink cart. Minister Pierce, we're fortunate to have you with us. Excuse me, it also seems rather convenient to have you with us. How do you come here? Because another Trill is involved, the Trillian government requested that I be present during the extradition. And do you know the accused personally? I do not. We accept you as an expert on trills. Proceed. Minister. It's so creepy. <laughs> Through how many hosts have you survived? Symbiont will. I didn't think he was creepy. I didn't think so. He's no, I like, cut, I like, he's got such a weird planet X seen, look in his eye. Every trill we've ever seen, even in modern D- discovery, they're all fucking, they all have that 12 mile stare. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on with with Jadzia. Maybe that's the uh, the thing. Maybe this Very is true. a tremendous emotion on her face. Of time Give me some answers. Can't you read it on my face? Committed by a trill. No, oh, you're looking through me. What's happening? <laughs> and the symbionts next host would remain aware of it. Would recall that crime. Yes, absolutely. Would recall the details of it. Yes, absolutely. And would still feel the guilt of it. Oh, yes. Madam Arbiter, this is not a trial, and Mr. Tandro is not the prosecutor. Mr. Tandro, you have made your point. I don't believe that I have, Madam Arbiter. The real point is that Commander Sisko would have you endorse his idea of a perfect trill crime. To commit it, all one has to do is elude capture long enough to change hosts. And then he or she can go free. Minister Pierce, you said you were with your first host throughout her adult life. Yes. So, before a symbiont is joined with any host, that host has lived a significant portion of his or her life from birth to what age, sir? Early to mid-twenties. Why not younger? To give the prospective host a chance to develop, mature. They have to be old enough to make an informed judgment as to whether or not they really want to be joined. And once they are joined, this host's personality is completely suppressed by the symbiont. Oh, no. No, it's a joining. It's a total sharing, a blending of both symbiont and host. 
neither is suppressed by the other. So with each new host, there does come, in fact, a new personality, a new combined person, a different person. From that standpoint, yes. I, for one, don't know from what other standpoint we could be talking about. Thank you, Minister. Just to return us to what's important here, Madam Arbiter, the accused can remember any crimes he committed as Curzon Dax, and nothing can be truthfully asserted in this hearing that can alter that fact. Yes, the memories were passed to an entirely new host, to an entirely different person. This is outrageous. You, you can't let Dax get away with murder. Gentlemen, I said this would be an informal hearing, not riotous. <laughs> we will take a two, two hours. Ball mallet has been clacked. Clackety clack. <laughs> clack clack. Um Yeah. Bashir does do a pretty good job on the on the stand until they grill him more. Sure. Unique individuals. Thank you, Doctor. Doctor, I've looked through your research myself. It's his whole gotcha moment of like, you can can you scan the brain waves separately? And yeah, and then he's like, and then Dax is the same as the other Dax, and then Bashir just going, yeah, it's like that literally doesn't prove anything in your argument. <laughs> well, what it proves is that the symbiont. Yep is the same being even though it's joined it's just yes. that they're combined but you can't take it out well that's where it's so yeah, i guess is it they prove something but it seems like legally it's like so you're saying we should kill the innocent person along with the guilty person yeah yeah, yeah. it's like no thank you but you then wish. it does suggest yes. that he's Spoiler. right that it's a perfect symbiont crime the perfect crime get a new host with your permission I'd like Major Kira to direct the questions. That's why an evil genius symbiont would be a great idea. Tell us a little about Curzon Dax, Commander. He probably wasn't the ideal Trill. He drank a little too much. He could be more interested in women than maybe he should have been. I thought he was your friend. <laughs> I'm simply pointing out that he was not at all hamana, hamana, like hamana. woman in this courtroom. What was exactly your relationship with Curzon Dax? He took a raw young ensign under his wing and Had taught sex me to with appreciate him? life in ways <laughs> I'd never thought about before. He taught me about art and science and diplomacy. Whatever sense of honor I might have today, he nurtured. Treason, he taught me how to hold my right? liquor and do coke until five in the morning. Capable of those things. As you've already That's said, so Commander, long. this is not a trial. I'm describing my friend Curzon Dax, a man I knew very well. On the other hand, I can't tell you too much about my new friend there. We're really just getting to know each other. Commander, pretty buttoned up. Starfleet officers do have the reputation of being honorable, and I judge you to be an honorable man. As an honorable man, do you think this crime should go unpunished? I'd prefer no crime to go unpunished. Then, if it were possible, even you would not argue with punishing the symbiont part of Dax. 
How can you be so sure that the symbiont was the criminal influence? What if it were the Curzon host that was responsible? Then the surviving symbiont would be completely innocent. No, they'd both be guilty. You yourself have argued that the two personalities once joined function as one. Your own Dr. Bashir confirmed it. When you put salt in water, the two become indistinguishable and inseparable. I think you've just made my point for me. When the water boils off... Excuse me, you can't leave the witness stand. (laughs) Pour that same salt into another liquid, and you have something completely different. Jatzia Dax is an entirely new entity. Following a one-hour recess, Lieutenant Dax will take the witness stand. One... (laughs) Are you a different person? No. Case <laughs> case dismissed. You may, you may extradite Dax. <laughs> uh, I do think Terry Farrell is. It's. I mean, I agree with your critique, but I just think she's doing a great job. It's so like so hard, huh? I'm just like disappointed in what they gave her to do. How would you have laid this out? I'd have a more vocal Dax. Yeah. I mean, I guess the problem is that a lot of interesting issues are raised and they sort of... It's almost like the way that they handle a lot of the data stuff is they they raise the questions and then find a way to kind of dance around the reality of data's emotions, for instance. Um and by the same token, it's like, well, we have some interesting questions. We have general broad strokes, but we don't want to get into it too much. So we're going to not engage Jadzia completely in the discussion. Oh, everyone, look out on the battlefield. It's general broad strokes. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, go in that direction. Where? It's very vague. There, there, over there. It's is there a hill there? I don't know. Go towards the hill and then do We're a thing. We're in space. What hill? Do a thing. <laughs> Just win. During that period, I even found Curzon Dax's records. You can't tell me Curzon would log in to communicate with the enemy. No, nothing like that. But the log does show a number of conversations between Dax's office and General Tandro's home. They were close friends. A number of the conversations took place while the general was away at the front. The wife. The wife. Curzon Dax and Anina Tandro. Maybe it was innocent. Maybe he was just providing a little emotional support during tough times. Or maybe they were taking advantage of the general's absence to get a little closer. If they were having an affair, that translates into a pretty solid motive for murder. Auga! Classic Curzon. I believe you say Auga, humans. <laughs> there are worse things than an illicit love affair. Curzon didn't murder anybody. He didn't commit treason. Are you really willing to commit suicide over something done in another lifetime? That is what you're doing, you know. My God, Dax. Young Tandro. That wouldn't be your son. 
You have an overactive imagination, Benjamin. Then what is it that's holding you back? Help me. <laughs> Damn it, if you were still a man. Nobody can punch women in this episode. It's, it's really, crazy. they're really <laughs> underlining it. They really, either this is a thing that only happened in the 24th century or they have really gone backward at some point. Do you remember that? Argosian lieutenant that who threw a drink Punching a woman is a sign of progress, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would think there would be some equality of the sexes at this point in, in that in all, in all departments. <laughs> and you knocked me down with a right cross before I could kill him. I still have a little scar here from your ring finger. I get back at you if you weren't a woman. <laughs> I tried on that ring after Curzon died. It just slipped off my finger. Trill don't have ring resizing you don't technology. Help me, old man, <laughs> they're going to take you because I don't know any more arguments. Then allow it to happen. It is my obligation to protect the lives of those in my command. You ought to know that. You taught it to me. That was Curzon. I'll stop trying to protect you the minute you tell me Curzon was guilty of these charges. I won't discuss it with you. As for Anina Tandro, yes, I feel the shame of Curzon's indiscretion. When one of my kind stumbles, Benjamin, it is a mistake that's there forever. I can't tell you which part of Curzon Dax couldn't stop himself from acting shamefully with another man's wife. I can tell you that he did love her for whatever that's worth. Enough to kill her husband. So, like, that's giving up the game right there. <laughs> the, her reaction to this? Well, like, being like, well, he did love her very much. And, like, because, like, this whole time he's, she's been quiet about it. Do you know what I mean? And then she suddenly just decides to. You know, well, I guess the jig is kind of up. So, isn't it, isn't it possible at that point that it's still that the wife killed him? Mm, maybe you? if you don't, you know, if you don't think like I do, where it's like, well, you can't buy the character back, right? See, I feel like if if she if the guy was that much of a you know if he was like a fascist, betraying his own people, then, um. But more, I'm just curious about. Again, she does the she draws the distinction of that was Curzon, Dax, not me. Mm-hmm. And yet she sort of touches his face in this affectionate way and is calling back on the. I don't know. It's just I've quite got a handle on it yet. You know, it's, it's hard to talk clear. about your ex sometimes. You know, <laughs> come a trill is very strong then among potential hosts. Yes, it's considered a great honor. I loved the getting backstory on Jadzia. The other thing like is Jadzia, an, over, an overachieving nerd, right? Well, that's the thing is I'm, I'm sort of really getting a, a beat on like that. Curzon was maybe more of a party boy, and Jadzia is more of a maybe a little bit of a square. <laughs> a little bit. How did the young Jadzia find? Because she's kind of like candidate? I feel the guilt of his indiscretion, and it's like. Did you feel that guilty? It sounds like the other guy was a real dirt, was a real fucking evil person. 
you were legitimately in love with this lady. By winning scholarships, competing against other young people, you're tested in countless ways. Including psychological tests to determine strength of character of the prospective host. Is that true? Yes. The young Jadzia excelled in those tests of academics and character, of psychological stability. Yes. Fucking aced it. If you can remember other things, remember that as well. What academic degrees do you hold, Lieutenant? I hold premier distinctions in exobiology, zoology, astrophysics, and exoarchaeology. How many of those degrees did you earn before being joined with the Symbian Dax? All of them. All of them. I was all As Jadzia. Alone. This brilliant and independent young woman has done nothing in her life but contribute to her society. Madam Arbiter, how can anyone justify trying her for a crime allegedly committed by another entity before she was even born? Do I want to hit her sometimes? Yes. This will only take a minute. But I but can't. She's, she's a lady, you know. <laughs> Lieutenant, as a trill candidate, did Jadzia fully understand the responsibilities to be assumed upon becoming a trill? And did you willingly accept those responsibilities and whatever consequences they might entail? Yes. And would that not obviously include the consequences of criminal acts committed by Curzon Dax? Mummy? <laughs> May I speak? And you are? I am Anina Tundra, widow of General Ardalon Tundra. This hearing is unnecessary. The accusations are erroneous. Mother, what are you talking about? Madam Arbiter, Curzon Dax is accused of sending a transmission to the enemy that betrayed my husband. But I know where Curzon was at the exact time that transmission was sent. He was in my bed. That wraps that up very nicely. Someone you've never even met. There's much of Curzon that's still a part of me, that still remembers what you had together. But it was Curzon, Dax, who swore himself to silence to preserve the memory of General Tandro, not Jadzia. I felt it was important to keep that promise. The General's memory is cherished by your people. And it will continue to be. Oh, no one will ever know that he was the one who tried to betray us. And that the rebels killed him for the favor. As for you, there is one favor I would ask. Of course. Live, Jancy attacks. Don't piss off Rick Berman. <laughs> Don't negotiate for more money. 
Don't uh, say that there's a letter writing campaign that the people are demanding <laughs> to be seen more of. <laughs> uh, I miss him dearly. All right. Good old Biff Yeager. In the vastness of space. Wait, do we have a DS9 one? Yeah, we do, but I can't find it. the right stuff. I chose one that is non-denominational. That's why you're this week's MVC. I think it's in past sounds. By the way. My God, I know where it is. I have it in the board, but I can't find it on the board. I'm sorry, my apologies. <laughs> Jeez, Andy. Um, here are the updated numbers from the face group. It's now DS9. There's no turning back. Which one will it be? Um. Oh, there's more, bud. So we've watched some tales on a spinning disc, and our heroes overcome some conflict and risk. Who should rise to the top of a coveted list of savers of the station among the enlisted? Old friend O'Brien, Dax, Doctor Cisco. You know that's. One of the tricks, though, Odo Quark Kira gonna make us fix a definition of most valuable crew. It's up to Matt and Andy what they're gonna do. It's oh, wow. It's Garrick. Who's gonna be the very best this week on DS9? Among the crew who stands the test. Who saves it all just in time? Lots of characters on the show. The list is really long. Bashir, Jake, Garrick, and Odo. Gotta save them fast to fit the song. NBC, who will it be? O'Brien, Kira, or Nog, maybe? Cisco, Dax, and Quark make three. Are you happy now? You know, I didn't need all of them. I just wanted one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh... You've had a lot of time to think about it. I have had a lot of time to think about it. And so one might think at first, oh, well, you know, he really, Cisco really put a lot of uh, time into that case, and he bought a lot of time. However, you could say it's Anina... Because she's the one who stood up and uh, and stood up for what was right. Um, or you could say it's Odo because Odo's the one who found her. Without Odo doing that detective work, 
you know. So I guess I ask you, if we're saying most valuable character, we're not saying most valuable crew member, are we still sort of looking for, you know, the people who are in our orbit? Or are we just saying any character? Even if it's not crew, it's, you know, people that are sort of the main people we think about on the on the show. What do you think, Matt? I think it's really uh, Els Renora, who's the MVC. You know, she came up from Bajor to <laughs> bang a ball around and ultimately was the one who got to say, uh, get out of here. <laughs> you think it's the judge? Wasn't the judge just passing, passing judgment? The arbiter. <laughs> she definitely did seem very put off, and yet she did her job. She did her job well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say. Uh, I mean, if we're going with an outside character to this degree, and I don't know that we should, I would like to hear what people think. I feel like maybe keep it within the within the main uh, the main cast and or people who sort of are associated. But I don't know. Endor. No one's going to Endor. Um, I might say it's Anina because Anina revealed her secret. At her own risk of being, you know, despised by... By the way, there's a moment where she, like, then immediately turns to her son and puts a hand on him, like, gently. And it's like, that's too soon, lady. You just said you were having an affair. Just give him a second. Um, Anyway, I would say it's Anina. Mm, I think you're wrong. (laughs) I think it's really Odo. For finding Anina? Yeah, and doing the legwork. You could also Sorry, say, is doing it... Doing the wheel work, because he is wheeled it, there. Is it Dax for fucking swallowing it and being willing to fucking die to protect this lady? No, because Dax could have solved this in the cold open. How <laughs> so? <laughs> Using any of her combat skills would have been nice. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> that is true. That support That doesn't answer my my original question, which is... You know, well, if she has all the memories, then she has probably all the skills. So, seeing all those generations and nobody figured out how to fucking shake three guys holding you. Um. Anyway, I've already said or, Anina or one lascivious doctor. You've said Odo. If you guys want to sound off on your take, um, tweeted Andy. Everyone just tweeted Andy a name from say, this episode and no context. <laughs> Tweet it, Matt. I say that's the Go one. Go ahead, and no one's gonna see it. Sadly, <laughs> I uh, thought you were getting more active on uh, on social media I was, again. And then I, uh, it's a you know, I can't make it a habit. Like I go days without my phone on me. Like I can't make this a habit for some reason. All right, there you go. It's hard to get back into the addictive Black Mirror personality of everyone. I don't think it's hard. I think it just takes its toll on you emotionally. Yeah, but like also like it's hard to like remember, you know what I mean? To do it remember. or to like I feel like you could build that addiction up again quite easily. How many Andy's does this episode get? I like it. It's a little logy like many of these episodes. I think it's really well done. I I think it's very smart. This is a smart show. Very few fireworks. Um and I like how they're logically going through the steps in a way that I almost like might say even more than Measure of Man or the other classic courtroom scenes, 
in Star Trek, this is the one that is the most sort of logical going through the steps. Like I love, you know, uh, Cisco's putting together of the case and saying, all right, I want you to look in this direction. I want you to look in that direction. I want you to explore this. We're basically building her defense. It's just kind of satisfying. That being said, it does maintain that aspect of like, they're really impressing me. They're not knocking me on my ass yet. But I also like all the Trill stuff. So I give it a six. Uh, I give it a seven. It's a solid. It's a solid effort, and it does. It, it's. I like the the character work it does with Dax. <laughs> you were complaining the whole time. It does no character. You're saying just building the. No, past. I said it. It did character work without participation from the character. Right. I see. That I see. was my whole. Yeah. Thing I. I, I actually. I would agree with that. I think it's really nice. Nice trill, fleshing out, um, in a way that you guys always said was coming, and now I got a little bit more of it. Oh, there's more on the way. Don't worry. I'm excited because I want more. Uh, you want more? He's not here, but Cosmo Moore, Ron Moore, Roger Moore, a Josh Moore, Ronald D. Moore, a Joe Moore, I have a Carl Moore. <laughs> Shout out to all you Moores. Got a lot uh, of people named Moore listening to this podcast. Uh, next episode is Passenger. The, tr- the Passenger. Let's take a look at that trailer. The Passenger. Well, this is, that's a long trailer. Oh, because it's all the trailers. I see. Here we go. Okay. Of all the forces in the universe, death has remained a mystery. No. But now, a psychopathic genius... He is dead. He's alive. That's impossible. ...has discovered the secret to immortality. The body dies, the consciousness lives on. In another brain. And someone will inherit his murderous legacy. I'm watching you. And Andy was just talking about I'm watching you. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I wonder if we're going to see... uh, Dealing with death in this episode, I wonder if we're going to see Janeway's father appear. Ooh, I'd like it if he did. But he's probably busy drowning. <laughs> Under the ice. Uh, all right, everyone. Thank you all. Enjoy the rest of your time listening to us. Because I'm sure there's more somewhere. Does that make sense? I don't know. <laughs> you say need- it? You might need no. You might need to show. You it. might need to give me a sign because I think it mutes the thing at the end. Uh, it must be too loud for you. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, though. It's a trans. We're being transported. It's very clear when we've left this the room and gone to <laughs> wherever it is we go after the show. I have transport blindness. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs>